Well, I want you to open up your uh, program that you've gotten in there. You'll see a note-taking sheet. And we're going to dive into that uh, today. We're in the series called 24. And uh, next week, our baptism is actually the last week uh, of the series. And we started this as we began 2024. And there's nothing holy or spiritually significant about the number 24. But we used it as this way to go, what if we took 24 days in 2024 and we begin to lay a foundation for growing in our, in our faith, growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ? And so in that, I gave a challenge. And there were four things to the challenge. To read a little bit of the Bible every day. And I encourage you to go to something like Bible.com and you can read from there, but there's also plans that they give you. Like, read this today, read this today, and it'll go through however long your plan is. They have five-day plans, they have five-week plans, they have a month-long plan, they have year-long plans, they have multi-year plans. But imagine getting a little notification on your phone, hey, don't forget to read today, and it actually gives you the passage. So powerful. So the first part of the challenge was to read a little bit of the Bible every day. The second was about spending just a little bit of time in prayer. And we're gonna actually talk more about that today, so I'm not gonna elaborate. But prayer is so important for us to connect with God. And the third thing we talked about was fasting. And if you missed the message last week, we kind of dove into what fasting really is. And the challenge was in these 24 days that you would take one day or one meal per week. So it ended up being three, that during that time that you would fast that meal. And really kind of engage with God during that time. So that was the third part. And the fourth was to reflect or to write down or to somehow capture what God is bringing to the surface. Because anytime we dive into his word, anytime we're, we're praying and fasting and doing these things, God's gonna do a work in us. And like, what is that? What is he bringing to the surface? What comes bubbling up as we spend time with him that he wants to encourage us with or correct us in? And so I wanted you to capture it somehow, whether it's on your phone or in a journal or whatever it might be. Now remember, these are not New Year's resolutions. This is actually taking a period of time to establish a foundation for a sustaining faith in Jesus as he prepares us for this next season. Now, I realize that some of you are here today and you're like, Dave, I've been gone the last couple of weeks, so man, I didn't, even, I didn't even know about this challenge. Like, you're calling it 24, and it's like, I'm late. Like, I, I can't squeeze 24 days into what we have left, because we started January 14th, went all the way, we're gonna go to February 7th, and you're thinking, how in the world do I do that? So here's what I would say, don't worry. Start right where you are, take the challenge, invest some time into read, pray, fast, and reflect. And here's the thing, we've, starting today, we have 11 days left, 11 days. And you know what, you can take this as long as you want. If you're just starting today, do 24 days. But we have 11 days left in the challenge that we established. And I started this series by giving you some facts about just this number, 24. And so then with 11 days left, I thought, well, I'll give you some facts about the number 11. Are you ready? Number 11, like when you think of 11, like is there anything famous about number 11? Well, one of the most famous things is, is that's how high the amps go in Spinal Tap, right? Thank you, someone got that, right? And they go, turn it up to 11, right? That's what you can do in Spinal Tap. 11's famous. The Canadian coin called the loony has 11 edges to it. 
may not know. There are 11 players on each side of a football team. And 11 is the number of 49er Brandon Ayuk, who, <laughs> hang on, who I'm predicting will have 11 receptions today when they beat the Lions. So there you go. Do you know how long it took me to figure out a way to get the 49ers into the message today, right? That was all right. And if you were here when I started this at 24, I, I shared something else. And maybe you're thinking, is that true today? Like this message is only 11 minutes long? Sure, sure, we'll, we'll go with that. But here's, here's the deal. 11 is not the important thing. 24 isn't the important thing. It's really about what steps we take to align our hearts with our Heavenly Father. To, to move into a place of, here's a word for you, attunement, right? That we are in sync and in tune together. Myself and, and Jesus, like what, what does that look like? We talked about being still and, and listening because he wants to do something deeper in us. And as I said a few minutes ago, last week we, we looked into what fasting is all about, but today we're gonna look at prayer. And prayer is something that is so simple. And yet we, in our you know, human way, are masters at making it so complicated, right? Are you good at making simple things complicated? Sometimes we're geniuses at that. And it's like, it's something so simple. And at its core, it's about connection and conversation with God. It's really about the relationship that we have with him. The struggle is that in our world today, we seem to have less and less time for conversation and connection. Not just with God, just with anyone. And I think the speed of technology leaves us with this kind of nagging feeling that there's not enough time to do the things that we really want to do and need to do and, and should do. And we find ourselves often moving faster than we ever have before, which leads to epidemic, uh, epidemic kind of examples of, of anxiousness. And we find ourselves tired more than ever. And we find ourselves, I don't have enough time in the day. So into our lives, where we already feel like we're playing catch up, we think, how in the world do I fit in connecting with God? Dave, even this challenge of reading and prayer and fasting, it's like, how, how do I fit that into my, into my life? And we think about something like prayer. Maybe there's this part in you that begins to kind of wrestle with it, right? This little fight that goes on within us. It's kind of like, if I do pray, does God even listen? Does God even care about what's going on? One author used this phrase, which I just love. He says, is prayer just a spasm of words that we cast out into the cosmic somewhere? And sometimes I wonder if there's this nagging doubt in us that wonders if it does any good at all. Does God really hear? Does he really care what's going on? When we think of all of humanity and all of the universe and all of existence, do my needs really matter? And so why should I pray? Why should I enter into this? What, what does it really do? And so we wanna dissect that a bit today. And what we're really, by God, inviting us, what he's inviting us into when it comes to this whole concept of prayer. So I'm gonna give you three things today. I want you to write these down. The first is this. Prayer is keeping company with God. Prayer is keeping company with God. I know that's kind of an odd way of putting it, and I did that on purpose, 
Because sometimes we say things like, well, prayer is just talking to God, and it is. Or prayer is just communicating with God, and it is. That, that's not wrong, those, those are really good. But let me ask you, when you kind of turn the phrase around a little bit, if you were to keep company with someone, what, what does that look like for you? Does it bring up images of you know, sitting in a Starbucks with a friend and just you know, talking and chatting and connecting? Is it going for a drive with someone? Is it sitting in your kitchen or your living room? Or, or, or maybe it's like going camping or hunting with, with some guys and, and you're just sitting around a fire and you're laughing and you're sharing. And sometimes you don't say anything at all. But there's something in the being together. There's something in this kind of keeping company with each other that is meaningful. Like it, it, it hits something in us that we long for that. And I think maybe God is inviting us into something that resembles that, to keep company with him, recognizing that his presence and his interest and his connection is true in our lives. It's not just about kind of saying, here's, here's my list of needs. It's not just a, a, like a one-way stream of words. It's actually being with him and him with us. A few years ago, I was on a, a sabbatical, and I know I've shared this before. Uh, Gina and I have done this uh, separately, and we just call it our road trip with Jesus. And we've set aside like a period of time. Sometimes it's just been a day, sometimes it's been a couple days. I was on this sabbatical, and so I had several days, and I literally didn't know where I was going after the first night. I'd booked this little hotel uh, over in Pacific Grove, and I was going to go there. And the next day, and this may seem like crazy to you, it was one of those like, okay, God, where am I going to go? Right or left, right or left, right or left, you know? And I turned, and we just, Ended up going north up the coast, and I pulled off at almost every place and went down and walked on the beach. And I wasn't listening to a bunch of stuff. I listened to some worship music sometimes. A lot of times it was just quiet. And that may sound like, man, I don't know what I'd do with that. And at first it is. But then it entered into this time where I was, I was literally going on like a journey with Jesus. And I remember one time pulling out under the highway and I did this literally out loud. I patted the seat next to me, which was empty, right? I'm the only one in the car. And I said, thank you for going on this trip with me, Jesus. Now that might've seemed like I was just talking to the air or doing something, but here's the reality. If I was to ask you, is Jesus with you always? Most of you, I think, as followers of Christ would say, yeah, he is. But we don't think that way. We, we think he's kind of out there somewhere and he, he shows up at certain moments, but, but he's with us. So today, when you're, when you're done with this time and maybe you run to the store or you, you go grab some lunch, can I tell you something? Jesus is with you. And when you go home today and maybe you're working on some projects or maybe you're gonna watch the game or maybe you're gonna do some other things, guess what? Jesus is with you. When you're working on homework or, or you get up tomorrow morning to go to the gym and then you know, head to work, whatever it might be, guess what? Jesus is with you. And there's something about shifting our perspective to realize, oh, wow, well, wait a minute. He's with me. He's with me. See, I think at some level, every single one of us craves a connection to our creator, even if we're not sure about the details of that, even when there seems to be distance. We long for something fulfilling and real to know that he is with me and he wants to be with me. 
You know, he's not, he's not riding in the car going, oh man, like, are you gonna pull over pretty soon? Like, he, he's not begrudging this time. He wants to be with us. Scripture tells us that over and over, and he is. And so I think as human beings, there's this part of us, and it may not look formalized or anything else, our souls kind of cry out in prayer. We cry out because we're empty. We cry out because we're grateful. We pray because we're scared. We pray because we're helpless. We pray for answers on a test. We pray for test results from a lab. We pray for a deal to go through at work. We pray for our dad to be healed. We pray for forgiveness and strength and peace. We pray for assurance that we are not alone in this. But I'll tell you what, if you're ever on a flight and you hit some major turbulence, everybody on that plane is praying. From the pilot to the person in the back row, there's prayer going on at some point, like, oh man, get us through this. And see, here's the deal. We've formalized and, and kind of created a system around prayer. And so sometimes here's what we think. We think prayer is getting down on our knees, folding our hands and closing our eyes. And those are really good things to do. Kneeling is, is about humbling our heart. But I can kneel in my body and not kneel in my heart. It's not required for prayer. Closing your eyes is not required for prayer. A lot of times it just blacks out some of the distractions that we have, but it, it's not that. Prayer is really about what's going on in here, in here. Do you know that the word prayer actually comes from a Latin root word, precari? And that word means, uh, or that, where we get from that root word is also the word precarious, right? Like something's precarious, we're, we're not, it's kind of right on the edge, it's kind of that place of, of desperation. And prayer is this place of going, I need God. And so I come to him. We pray when there's nowhere else to turn, we, we can't help it, so we pray. And we're invited to keep company with him. And here's the other side of the equation. He desires relationship with us. It's not just our end. He wants to, to walk with us and to journey with us and to take steps with us. He wants us to know that his presence is right there. And he gives us, gives us the Holy Spirit to to know that he is our constant companion. Here's what it says in Romans 8. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Have you ever had a prayer that went something like this? <sighs> Maybe you got even a little more formal with it. Oh, God, right? And we can kind of laugh about it, but I guarantee you everyone in this room has had an oh, God prayer. And, and what's, what's, what's Paul telling us in Romans? That God even understands the groans of our heart. The Holy Spirit is at work in that as well. And look through the Bible and you'll see it over and over and over again. Since the beginning of the time, people have brought their hearts to God. Abraham, Moses, David, Ruth, Mary, Peter, including Jesus himself. And do you know that time and time again, when you read through the Gospels, which is that first part of the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus would intentionally go out to quiet places and he would pray. 
I mean, he would literally like leave the crowds when there was needs, when there was people clamoring for him. And he, would, and he wouldn't say anything, but it was kind of that, I, I, need, I need to go like actually have some quiet moments with my father. And again, he didn't say that. He would just like go off. And there's this one time when the disciples look around and they're like, where, where'd Jesus go? Did you see it? Like, I don't know. So they go searching and Peter actually finds him. And, and in this, you, you see Peter expressing almost this frustration with Jesus. And he says, Jesus, we've been looking for you everywhere. Now, it doesn't say this, but how he says it makes, him, makes me think that he was like, what are you doing? We've, we've got stuff to do. Look at all these people. They, they want you. You can't just wander off and you're not like leave a note or something next time. Now, it doesn't say that. But I think that was the spirit of it. Like, like, what's going on? You see, Jesus knew that prayer was not this formalized thing. It was him keeping company with his father. He tells us that this is a father-son operation where he says that in, in, in Matthew 11, he's, he's challenging them. It's like, hey, we're in this together. We walk and we, we commune together. And Jesus knew how vital it was. So for me, when doubts begin to creep in and I start to wonder if prayer really matters at all, I'm reminded that Jesus, the one who spoke the universe into existence, felt this compelling need to pray, to keep company with his father. I mean, that's what drove everything. And I think his ability to, to move into the cross and all that with courage and joy and ability to love people who hated him, but he did it in this radical way. I think his ability to do that flowed from his keeping company with the Father. In fact, did you know the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them? It was about prayer. I mean, think of all the disciples could have come and asked Jesus about. They could have said, hey Jesus, can can you teach us that water into wine thing? That would be like amazing. Like people would invite us to, if, if you really want to reach the world, Jesus, that one right there, we'll be invited to every event there is, right? They didn't ask that. They didn't say, hey, could you teach us how to multiply the bread and the fishes? Man, that was so cool. Or, or maybe just personally, hey, that whole walking on water thing, I'd love to be able to do that, Jesus. Can, they didn't go there. What did they ask him? Luke 11, one. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now remember, these are guys who have lived their whole life in a, in a very strict and regimented uh, Jewish religion. From the time that they were, they were babies, man, they were at temple with their parents. They had grown up in this. They had seen prayers over and over and over again. They had prayed themselves. So why did they come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray? Because what they had witnessed and learned their entire life were polished, crafted theatrics. Prayers from the religious elite. And when they saw the real life-giving connection that prayer brought to Jesus' life, they looked at that and said, that's different. There's something in that. Your connection to your father. Jesus, would you teach us to pray like that? Because it changed everything. Write this down for number two. Prayer corrects my perspective. Prayer corrects my perspective. 
In the book of James, we read about this life-giving connection that prayer gives to a person. And look in, uh, in James 5, 16. Uh, and I want us to say this out loud together, okay? It's up here on the screen. I want you to speak these words with me, okay? Because James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, is, is giving us some instructions and showing us what prayer can be. So let's say it together. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. I know what happens when we read that. We go, well, yeah. So Dave, I'm sure you're a righteous person, so that works for you. That's why if I really you know, need prayer, I gotta go to someone like that because we discount who we are. And so James is saying, why do we pray? Because it's powerful and effective. And the prayer of a righteous person, which doesn't say the prayer of a perfect person, he's talking about a person that humbly acknowledges that the only way they are ever gonna be considered right and good is through Jesus Christ. All their trust is in him. He's talking about somebody who humbles themselves before God and just pours out their heart. And when he says, when you do that, there's, there's power and effectiveness, not because of you, but because of Jesus. And all of a sudden, my perspective begins to shift and change. It's like, wait, wait a minute. This is, this is what happens? This is how things really are? It's like, Oh, this is what's, what's going on. So here's an example. I, I wear contacts all the time. I've been wearing them since my sophomore year in high school. And so I've been wearing them so long, the first contacts were like made of stone. But no, they're not. You know. But I, I wore hard contacts and gas permeable and soft contacts. And now I've got bifocal, multifocal, and all these crazy things going on. And I can see signs like, like way far away. And I can also read things that are up close. But when I don't have my contacts in, like when I wake up in the morning, I have to squint like really hard to see the clock that's like 18 inches from my face <laughs> to see it and do that. But when I put those contacts in, bam, 2020. It's amazing. And you know what? Prayer does a similar thing. It corrects my vision. It corrects what I see and how things really are. Every time I enter into prayer, every time I have that keeping company with God, I see better because I have a reoriented focus. It begins to let me see who God really is and who I really am. It's the beginning of humility. James writes this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. The truth is when I'm connected with God, when I'm walking with him, it enables me to embrace my smallness and lean into his bigness. It enables me to see that God has this incredible view and perspective and that he sees like no one else. And scripture tells us that his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, his wisdom is more profound, his love is deeper, and his view is so much bigger than my view. And prayer brings all of that back into focus. It corrects how I sometimes think things are to see God's perspective. There are all these places in the Bible where God shows his power and his might and his authority and his splendor. Genesis and Job and Psalms and Isaiah and Revelation. And there are these times where God even asks big questions. He says, do you know who laid the foundations of the earth? See, we get all tied up and oh, this or that or this situation or this is going on and those are real, I'm not discounting those. 
Sometimes they, they, they tear at the very core of our, of our heart and our identity and our safety and our security, and we get concerned. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know who laid the foundations of the earth? Do you know who tells the sun where to set? Do you know who created the stars and who, held, who holds the oceans in his hands? He said, I, I'm not discounting what you're going through, I understand, but I wanna, I wanna give you some new context. I wanna give you a new perspective. I, I still am on the throne and I'm at work and I'm inviting you to walk with me and trust me. I don't know if you've ever had moments, I'm sure you have, where you've been at the ocean Maybe you look out and the sun's setting and you know, it goes down and you see half the sun and like the whole ocean just turns orange and gold and pink and all these incredible colors. Have you ever sat there and looked at that and then just went, whoa, God, you are amazing. We were in Hawaii one time and we were sitting there and the sun went down. We'd never, it was the first time we'd ever been to Hawaii years ago. And we sat there and the sun went down and all these people had gathered like on the beach and everything. And when the sun finally went down, they applauded. It was like, oh, okay, well, we'll applaud too. It was just the weirdest thing in the world. And Gina and I looked after, afterwards and it's like, I don't know what they were applauding for. Maybe it's because it was beautiful or whatever, but we looked, it's like, man, you're, you're giving God a hand for this amazing thing or if you've seen a mountain or a sunrise or stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, those moments when you just go, God is so huge and he's got it all in his hands. And what happens when I pray is that it helps me recognize is that there is someone bigger and better and smarter and wiser and much more creative than I am. Prayer gives me a healthy awareness of who God is. And in his presence, I feel really, really small because I am really, really small. Not insignificant. Don't misunderstand that. God sees us as treasures and he honors us and we're his masterpiece but it corrects my perspective and it put things in order. God doesn't need to be reminded of this reality, but I do. Philip Yancey in his book, Prayer, says this, prayer, and only prayer, restores my vision to one that more resembles God's. I awake from the blindness to see that wealth lurks as a terrible danger, not a goal worth striving for. That value depends not on race or status, but on the image of God that all of us bear. And no amount of effort to improve my physical beauty has much relevance for the world to come. And I read that and I think, man, when I pray, it brings all of that into reality, that there's a better way to live, there are better things to live for, and there are better things that to define success. We've probably all heard this phrase from Psalm 46, where God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know who I really am. Prayer is more than just a shopping list of I want this and I need that. It's new vision for me to recognize who he is and who I am. Write this down for number three. Prayer is the catalyst for freedom. Prayer is the catalyst for freedom. See, here's the truth. You and I, we need some place where we can strip off all the things that we do to build up our 
image and how we, that false part of us that we want everyone to see. Prayer is the place where we can strip that off and we don't have to pretend in front of God. It can just be raw and real, which really is freedom. I don't have to perform for God, but I can be who he's made me to be. See, here's the thing. I have friends who know me really well and my kids know me really, really well. And Gina knows me better than anybody on this planet. But even she doesn't know all the nuances of my life and my history. And it's not that I'm keeping any secrets from her because the truth is, I don't know everything about me. And I know we hear that and go, of course you do, Dave. Really? I don't know what motivates some of my actions sometimes. Like, why did I respond that way? Why did I do that? I don't even get sometimes the connections between things that happened to me when I was young and how they still influence my words and choices and actions today. Like what is really going on there? Sometimes I don't even understand my own emotions and what I'm really feeling. I would guess that you're probably the same way. So even though I'm me and you're you, we we still aren't fully in touch with everything going on. But God knows all about me. My motivations in my heart, he knows me inside and out. He knows my darkest places and my deepest secrets. And I will tell you that my desire in my life is to live an authentic life of integrity and character day in and day out. I don't always do that. I fail at that sometimes. But I want my life to be what you see here is what you get. Whether I'm sitting here on a stage or I'm around the church or you see me in a grocery store or if you came by my house, I want to be real that way. And that's why Jesus said, when you pray, don't make it some street corner performance, but go into your closet and pray. And he's not talking about literally going to the places where you hang up your clothes, but he's saying, go into that place where it's just you, man. Just get away from trying to perform anything and you can actually bring your true self to Jesus. And you can do like David said when he wrote, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I need someone to know my heart. I want you to know my anxious thoughts and what's going on in me. It's like, have you ever had a light go on on your dashboard? And you're going, man, I don't even know what that is, right? All these little symbols, and it's like, what, what, what is that? And maybe you've you know, figured, yeah, it's something, and you're trying to get it off, and you realize, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to put a piece of black tape over it, right? <laughs> No, (laughs) you go to a mechanic and they hook it up to this machine and they go, oh, here's what's going on. Prayer is like popping the hood and going, God, I need you to hook me up to some diagnostic machine. Tell me what that light is. Tell me what that is in me because I can't figure it out. Search me and know my heart. God, I need to ask you, what's contributing to all this noise in my life? God, why am I so afraid? God, where does all this anger come from? God, what is it that I'm chasing? Sometimes I don't even know. Or God, what am I running from? I feel like I'm trying to escape, but like, like, what is it in my life? God, is all this stuff that I'm accumulating really making my life any better? Because it just seems like it's, it's making me more and more paranoid. God, why is my mind constantly racing? God, why does my soul feel so empty? God, how come I'm not growing? Why can't I sleep? Why can't I say no? These are all the real things that begin to pour out when we come just honestly and truthfully to God. God, why do I work so hard to be accepted? 
when you tell me I already am? God, why do I say the things that I do? Why do they just come out? God, why do I have all these selfish desires? Why do I feel so distant from you? God, when Jesus says, come to me, how come I don't? See, that kind of confession is not to inform God because he already knows. God isn't taking notes during your confession going, wow, really? I didn't know that. Right? He knows. We confess to him because there's freedom. He made you and he loves you and you don't have to try to fake him out or be something you're not. There's a phrase that goes, I am as sick as my secrets. And the sin that I wanna conceal the most is the sin I need to reveal the most. God wants the real you, your authentic self, and there is freedom in that. C.S. Lewis, great theologian and writer, wrote this. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. When we lay what ought to be in us, we're, we're, we're in a performance. We're, we're playing the game. And God says, just come. There's an old song, uh, old hymn, that says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry, do you know the end? Everything to God in prayer. I can bring all of that, all of it to him, to keep company with him, to walk with him, to know him. That's his invitation. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you have us in your hands. And we can take a deep breath and begin to experience your peace, knowing that you've got us. You see it all, you know us, and you continue to invite us in close. Lord, I pray that we would find freedom in coming clean and confessing. I pray, Lord, that we would find new perspective, realizing who you are and who we are and living in the security of that. And Lord, that we would walk daily keeping company with you. Let that be our prayer. Let that be how we operate as we grow in you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? As you head out, I just want to remind you, we have this challenge, 24 days. We've got 11 left, but don't worry about that. Start now if you have to. Read a little bit of God's word every day. Take some time to pray, which means keep company with God. Bring those things to him. Third, fast one meal or one day a week. And the fourth thing, write it down, reflect on it. Let the things that God is doing come to the surface and watch what God will do. Hey, thank you for being here today. God bless you. Have a great week.